Morning North Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Ryan McClelland. We're thrilled that you're here with us today. In just a moment, the North Church band's going to come out and lead us in just a few songs. And then one of the North Church Bible teachers is going to share with us a message that's going to challenge us and help us grow deeper in our relationship with the Lord. All in all, you're going to expect to be here around 70 minutes today. And if you have questions right now, go to northchurch.net, scroll to the bottom of the homepage and click on e-bulletin and there you can learn all the things happening throughout the life of our church. After service today, if you have any questions, feel free to stop by the Info Center. Their happy volunteers would love to answer any questions that you may have. And don't forget to stop by the coffee bar. There we have a huge variety of hot drinks and cold drinks and tasty pastries for your enjoyment and it's all supported by your generosity. Well, here at North Church, we believe in people connecting in healthy and growing relationships. And if you're brand new here with us today, join us right after service for a brief five-minute meeting with one of our host pastors where you get the chance to learn about what's going on here at the church and your next steps. We'll see you there. Well, today's the day, everybody. This is the Mom's Fun Drive collection date. So if you've brought your bags to donate, things like clothing and books and DVDs and kitchen gadgets and more, right now they're going to be outside at the greenhouse receiving those donations. Thank you so much for participating in that and loving on moms here at North Church. Also coming up, moms, next Tuesday, the 19th, is the first play date of the school year for moms. Learn more online right after service today of the time and the location and those types of things. But moms, this is a great chance for you to start connecting early in the school year with other moms right away. Young adults, 18 to 25 year olds and college students, this one is for you after the 11 o'clock service today. Off-site is what we're calling the hangout. This is where you get the chance to connect with others in that age group and that stage of life. Hang out with Pastor Kenny, one of the pastors here at the church, and learn more about Spokane and ways that young adults can connect here in the community. We look forward to seeing you there. Those are all the announcements that we have for you today. And if after service you're in need of prayer, please step forward. Members of our church, members of the prayer team would love the opportunity to agree with you in prayer. Also, right now on your phone, log into Facebook and check into North Church online. Because right now, every five check-ins to North Church on Facebook provides a book for our church planters in Indonesia at a library that they use to share the gospel and reach out and grow God's kingdom. Thank you so much much for participating in this. It makes a huge difference. Right now, we're going to sing. Would you please stand? i 
said we were in the 30s but at least there's football to go along with it so that's gonna be all good hey uh, we love helping people get connected in good healthy growing relationships here at the church one of the ways that we do that especially if you're new or newer to the church right when we're done this morning over here kind of on this side of the auditorium I would love to meet with you for just about five minutes in a thing we call first connect just saying hi talking about different ways to get connected and uh, giving us a chance to greet you and welcome you. So I look forward to seeing you there right at the end of the service. For now, would you turn, greet a few of the people who are standing right around you. Once again, I uh, want to say welcome. My name's Scott. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. Super glad that you're here. Can I just, um, how many of you are like planners? You like to plan ahead, know what's coming and plan for it? Gosh, not as many maybe as I would have thought here in the early service, but that's all good. I ask that because I want to talk about something that's coming up in October. And that's a little ways out, uh, but it's really cool. In October, starting on the 23rd, on, we're going to have a series of Monday night classes, different classes. We call it Equip, and for uh, subsequent Monday nights, they all go together. There's going to be a class about um, uh, immigrations and how we can serve the immigrant community. That's going to be great. There's going to be a class about parenting. And then we're also doing something that I'm super excited about. By the time we get there into October, we're going to be starting a brand new series then in the book of James, and it's going to be great. But one of the things that we're going to be doing on Monday nights is we're going to be forming new small groups to process 
what's going on in the book of James as we walk through it in a congregation, as a congregation together, right? So maybe you're not in a, a life group or a small group right now. Maybe you're a rooted graduate and you haven't made your way into a life group. This is a great place to get started for a five-week small group in the book of James. Maybe you haven't been through Rooted, but you're not signed up for this fall section of Rooted, and you're looking for a place to be connected and get to know people. This is your perfect opportunity. And it's going to start, again, like I said, in October, but the sign-ups for that begin now. So if you're looking for a place to get connected, to meet a few people over a short period of weeks and study God's Word together, Monday nights equip, but you, begin, you can begin the process uh, of signing up for that right after the service today. So take note of that uh, and get signed up uh, early is better, of course. Hey, we're gonna continue to worship the Lord in song, and so I'm gonna ask you to go ahead and stand right now. And as we do that, I'm gonna ask God's blessing over our time. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the chance that we have in this place to focus our hearts and our minds and our spirits upon you. And we wanna ask God that while we're here and while we sing our praise to you, we want to ask that you would meet with us, that you would speak to us at those places in our hearts where we need to hear you most. In Jesus' name, amen.
you go ahead and have a seat. This past week, uh, the sanctity of our schools was violated, and one of our local schools was visited with the kind of violence that we've heard about out there, uh, and it came here. And I want us to maybe take a few moments here just to intercede on behalf of the Freeman High School community as they, uh, as they process the tragedy that played out in their midst, and also to process and prayer the way that impacts us and the deep, uh, the deep and powerful impact it has on us as we know people, as we trust people, or even as we think about our own experience in the schools as well. It's a tragedy like that that's a place where the grace of God can be made known. And we're trusting God to bring love and grace and mercy to bear on our friends in that community who need it the most. So Heavenly Father, we come before you in this moment. Uh, and we want to stand alongside the Freeman High School community and ask God particularly, God, in this day and on this morning, would you be very near to them? God, for the hearts that are breaking, would you restore those hearts? God, for those who are recovering physically, would you bring healing and speed that recovery as well? God, we want to pray for the students who will head back to school. We want to pray that you would make their experience a place of safety and security. We pray that there would be no place for fear, but that your love and your protection would bring out strong. God, we want to pray for all of the teachers, for the administrators, for the principals, for the counselors. God, for the security officers that are on staff there, we want to pray that you would, in addition to bringing peace to their minds and hearts and soul as well, God, that you would raise, that you would, um, raise up within them a sense of your pleasure and their calling. And God, I guess that would be my prayer as well as, as much as we direct our prayers and our affection and our heart towards that particular high school. God, we also intercede for all of the schools in our district and in our city and even expanding out from there. God, we are grateful for those who have recognized and accepted the calling upon their lives to speak into the lives of our kids, to teach them to educate them, to help them grow and mature. And we pray, God, for each of those whose life calling involves speaking to the lives of kids in the educational process. God, would you meet them there? Would you equip them to do with excellence what you've called them to do? Would you come along with your strength and empower what they're doing and maximize its impact so that the young people of our city and in our area and our nation would be raising up in a way that's strong and equips them well for the future. God, we are grateful for those who make those kinds of sacrifices. And we pray, God, that you would return back to them those things in their heart that far outweigh the many sacrifices that they make as well. Would you, as we continue in this time of prayer, just continue in a posture of prayer? Maybe there are some specific names and faces of individuals in the schools that you are directly connected with and you like to be praying for them for particular instructors, leaders, principals, administrators. Let's make this a time where we speak to God and ask his largest blessing on those who need our kids. Let's pray.
Well, in just a moment, we're going to receive our tithes and offering as part of our worship to God this morning. I wanted to read this passage from the scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. We're going to talk more about work here in just a moment. But let's give cheerfully as we uh, give this morning. So I'll have Vesters come right now. We have been... Uh, uh, I've loved the last couple series that we've been in because we've talked about worship. And uh, this last Sunday was really fun uh, as I was uh, participating along with you in, in receiving kind of the ministry of some of our directors and pastors that we don't always get to hear from around the Lord's Prayer. And, uh, and then we're, we're launching into a series today around the topic of vocation and work. And as I was listening to the Lord's Prayer last week about praying, God, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I couldn't help but think about the series that was coming, that we're praying in the places where we work, where we go to school, where we uh, let God use us, and we're praying, God, let your will be done in those places. Uh, if you're newer to the church, maybe uh, you're still learning about what is this church about, and one of the things that we're about as a church, one of the vision, the vision maybe the big vision, the main vision God's given us is, is to catalyze a movement of missional people who would help establish thousands of missional communities in Spokane and around the world. And so we're all about seeing God catalyze missional people. What is that? That's basically just people on mission with Jesus in the everyday of life. People on mission with Jesus. Matter of fact, if just a room this size, if every single one of us would catch a fresh vision for what we're called to do, and that we would boldly share and live the gospel in where we go Monday through Saturday, we would see a movement of God begin to, to uh, formulate, begin to work. And that's what we want to see. And that's why we're doing this. This series is incredibly important because it's about mobilizing us in the everyday of life. It's about helping us catch a fresh vision for how God wants to use us in our work. And that we kind of get away from this idea that there's the sacred, you know, the thing we do on Sunday. And then there's the secular, the thing that we do all throughout the rest of the week. And that that's compartmentalizing our faith in a way that is not the gospel, that all of life is sacred, and that God cares about everything that we do, and he wants us to see that he wants to use us in the everyday. So for the next four weeks, we're going to talk more about our work, the work that God has called us to do. Now, maybe, maybe you realize uh, this, that a lot of your day goes to your work. Matter of fact, a third of your time, approximately half of your life, will encompass your work. 
Now, some of you, that's great news. Some of you, it's bad news, right? Like, I'm dreading tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. And I wake up, and I go to work, and I'm going to watch the clock, and I won't. I can't wait to get off work because I don't like what I do. My work is like a necessary evil to pay the bills. And others of us, maybe you love your work. Maybe your work is so important to you, it's almost like a god. You know, you're a doctor, a police officer, a self-employed business person, or whatever you may do, and, and, and it's become too important. Where it's where you derive all of your self-esteem, and it's where you get the majority of your validation in life. See, work is not meant to be a curse. It's not meant to be a god. The scripture speaks to us about our work. What does God think about what you do for a living? What does God think about work? Well, let me lay a little groundwork, a little theology around this topic of work to kick us off. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And we're going to start in the very first book of the Bible, the very first story and the very first words of the scripture. And it says in verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What is God doing? Well, he's working. He's creating. He's designing. He's engineering. He's inventing. He's sculpturing. He's shaping the world. In the whole of chapter 1 and much of chapter 2, what we see is God at work doing. And this is important because the first The first piece of this theology is to understand that God is a worker. Genesis chapter 2 verse 2 tells us that on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. See, not only is God a worker, but he has called you and I to be workers also. Look with me in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the uh, birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God said, I've worked, I've created. Now I want you to work. I want you. I want you as human beings to have Dominion over all the, all the earth. Now, the Hebrew word for dominion is radah. And this word can be translated to rule or to reign over creation. Verse 27, Genesis 1. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. See, God made men and women to work in partnership together to be kings and queens ruling and reigning over creation. And then in verse 27 or 28, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Notice the very first thing that God does is he blesses them. He blesses them. Right out of the gates. Why? Because that's the type of God that we serve. This stereotype of God is this grouchy, angry, cosmic killjoy is so far from the truth. The first story, the very first words, God blesses them. 
What is it to be blessed? It's to be fruitful, to multiply. God, from the very beginning, is catalyzing a movement of missional people to partner with him in creation. The calling to mankind is to work under the direction of the creator to subdue the earth. Every living thing, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and all that is within it. That word subdue, that word is actually the word kibosh. You're familiar with the word, put the kibosh on it. And uh, basically what it means is that humans were to wrestle with the earth and to wring profit from it. They were created to be blessed, to fill the earth, to care for it, to profit from it, to sustain it. Look down in verse 15 of Genesis 2, and it says, The Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to work it, to keep it. God took man and he took the woman and he put him in this place called Eden, a place where they could flourish, a place where they could care for it and work it and protect it. A place where God's shalom, his peace, his rest, his completeness, his wholeness would, would be. So God made us in his image and he placed us on the earth and in, in this place called Eden to rule as kings and queens, to work in partnership with God's spirit. Now. I don't know about you, but that's pretty lofty, right? It's like a lot more than just paying the bills. It's a, it's, a, it's a much bigger vision than just getting up and going to a job that I hate. So you see, God has placed it in your bones, in your DNA, in your heart, in, your, in every fabric of your being to work. And there's this myth that goes around church sometimes that God doesn't care what you do. He just cares about who you are. And that really sounds good, but I beg to differ. God cares about both. He cares about who you are, and he cares about what you do with your life. Because what you do with your life matters to him. You are an image bearer of God. And that's why unemployment can be so difficult to deal with. Because when you have no work to do, it can be so frustrating. That's why when you go to a job or you go to school where you have no vision for it at all, it can be so demoralizing. It's why when you hate what you do, even though you make lots of cash, it can be so unfulfilling. And it's why people who dream of, they live their whole life just to retire and then they finally retire or they retire early and they have nothing to do with all of that time and it can lead to depression. Because when you stop working, and I don't mean a job, I mean work, significant work, work that you were created to do, work that creates shalom, where you're used by God to reach people, to mentor, to care for creation, to walk in God's blessing, to add value to people's lives. So is work a curse or is it a blessing? Well, it's a blessing. It was meant to be a blessing. Your work is designed as a blessing from the very beginning. Blessing doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. It doesn't mean it'll be stress-free. I mean, we're, we're called to work in a broken world to bring about wholeness. Now, right about now, I would think several of you are thinking, Mike, that's so easy for you to say because you work in a church. 
and all you do is read the Bible and drink coffee, you know? <laughs> you don't understand my life. You know, I work in a cubicle at a Vista. I, I work on the back of a, of a truck picking up trash, and it doesn't smell like coffee beans. You know, I work in, a me in the mess and the stress of the ER room. I work in places that you, you don't understand. I work on a construction site, and you know, when something goes wrong, we don't say praise the Lord, you know? <laughs> I would love to have a different job. I mean, a lot of people feel that way. In America, the recent stats show that 52% of us are unhappy with our jobs. And that number every year keeps going up. And what's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong is that something entered into this picture that I created that the scripture tells us about in Eden. Something, something entered into that to disrupt the flow of God's work. And it's called sin. In verse 17 of Genesis chapter 3, it says this, Adam, God comes to Adam and he, he says, Adam, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thanks, Adam. You ate from the only tree God said not to eat from. You listened to your wife, which normally we're supposed to do, right? You rebelled against God, and now sin enters into the world. And it disrupts this thing that God had created in the very beginning to do. So life gets much harder. Work is not cursed, but the ground is cursed. And now there's thorns and there's thistles and there's sweat of the brow, meaning now there's workers' comp claims and there's ibuprofen and icy hot. And I got to go on a vacation <laughs> because I'm stressed out. And we, we fight with each other now. And one person steps on another person's head in order to get ahead in life. And the creation project that God had created is now, is now dealing and compromised by human sin. And because of that, we need a savior. Because of that, we need salvation. We need restoration. We need rescue. And the shalom of God needs to be restored back to our places of work and back to our lives personally and back into our homes. And so we, each and every one of us, stand in equal need of forgiveness. But so much more than that. We not only need forgiveness for our sin, but we also need God to come in and restore brokenness and bring wholeness and help us catch a fresh vision for the mission he's called us to. So God sent his son Jesus into this world, not, not as a flaming uh, pillar of fire, not as just a cloud. Sent him here as a human being to restore us and to do what we were called to do all along, and that was to rule and to reign and to bring God's shalom to this world. And so Jesus comes to the rescue to bring salvation to us, a salvation that is not limited just to a salvation of the soul that where we are forgiven and we get to go to heaven, but something that God is doing right now, right here in the earth that we live in. His kingdom come. His will be done. God is at work. Turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Uh, this is a passage that many of you probably have already memorized. 
Paul, the apostle, is speaking to the church in, in Ephesus. And it's a, wonderful, it's a wonderful passage. It's a powerful passage. And a matter of fact, the letter to the Ephesian church uh, really, in many ways, is reminiscent of the Old Testament, going back to God's original intent for us. And it says this in verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. And that's a passage worth memorizing because what it does is it emphasizes the, the goodness of God, the grace of God, that we, we don't bring anything to the table to earn our salvation, that God just grants that to us freely. But here's the problem is that many of us learn that passage and we memorize that verse and we think that that's where the thought stops. And that is not the end of the paragraph. That's not the end of the thought. It's truncated if you stop it there. Because you need verse 10 to make sense of verses 8 and 9. And verse 10 goes on to say, For we are his workmanship, which is the word is poema. And it goes back to the garden. It goes back to creation. It goes back to why we were created in the very first place. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You are God's poema. You are his workmanship in creation, his original design made by God to be blessed by God, to rule and to reign and to bring God's shalom to this planet. That's a complete salvation. Not just who you are and how God changes you, but also what you do and what he's called you to be a part of in this world. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has good work for you to do. God cares about your work. That's great news, isn't it? He cares about it. Now, if there's good work, it means that there must also be some not so good work, right? And some work, not all work is good. I mean, a drug dealer may work really hard and make lots of money, but it's not good work. You know, some work is illegal, some work is immoral, some work is questionable. But God has good work for you to walk in. Author Frederick Buchner says, The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. God has good work for you to walk in. Work that makes other people's lives better. It adds value. Work that brings God's kingdom to this earth. And it may be work in law or in politics or in law enforcement or in business or in healthcare or in school. You see, it's all worth work that's worth doing. It's important. And Paul says, good work. God prepared in advance for you to walk in. Now, Many theologians would, would uh, take that idea and that word of work and the way that that's fleshed out in the scripture as this word, vocation. And it's a word that we need to recapture. And the difference between occupation and vocation, and occupation is what you do, right? What you do to earn a living, to make ends meet. You may love it, you may hate it. Vocation, on the other hand, it may be your job. You might even get paid for it. But a vocation is a calling from God. 
And the word vocation comes from the Latin word vocare, and it means to call. A vocation is a calling. A God-intended vocation is work that fits you, it serves others, and it glorifies God. Work that God has created in advance for you to do. Now, when we think of the word calling, what do you think of? I mean, most people think of like a calling. Isn't that what a pastor gets? Isn't that what a missionary gets? But I mean, can you be called to open up a coffee stand? Can you be called as a lab tech? Can you be, can you be called as, as a landscaper? Absolutely. God has many callings to give us. It's work that fits you. It's work that serves others. And it's work that glorifies God. Creating shalom in the world. Let me give you an example because we often miss this. We often think of certain professions as those that maybe have a calling. But the thing that I do probably, ah, it's not that big of a deal. We were going on vacation last uh, spring. I was really tired. Long season of, of ministry. Couldn't wait to get out of town, go to Cannon Beach. We were going to spend a few days in prayer and a couple days just a vacation. And I had this slow leak in my tire. And I just was so busy, I didn't have time to do anything about it. And so I, we filled it up at the gas station before we left. We drove and we got all the way to Cannon Beach. And by the time I got there, the tire was flat. It was Memorial Day weekend and nobody, nobody was really open. And uh, I didn't know what we were going to do. You know, it was kind of a stressful way to start this little time that we were trying to get away. And so uh, I, I started calling around. I found a little place in Seaside. And you probably heard of it. This little place is called Les Schwab. And, <laughs> and, and uh, they said they could take me in, kind of like they would squeeze, squeeze me in to fix this tire. And so thankfully, I brought my bike, had my bike pump, and it was kind of funny. I'm pumping up my tire with my bike pump on the side of the road just to get enough air in it in order to make it to Les Schwab, go to Les Schwab. They get the car right in. They fix the tire. They hand me the keys, and they say, no charge. And I can't tell you what that did for me. I mean, it was like, ah, oh, such a breath of fresh air. It was so relieving. It brought God's peace into our life, and it started out, helped us start this time of vacationing, this time of prayer, this time to get away and be refreshed in the most positive direction. And I can just imagine that the guy who took the nail out of the tire probably doesn't see his job maybe as that important. And how important was it? What did it do for me? We think of what it takes just to help somebody go on vacation or what it takes to get food from one place to another and all of the various tasks and jobs that go in between to get it from point A to point B. Everything, everything that we do, when we do it to serve others and we do it to the glory of God and we do it as work uh, that we have vision for, it. It matters. It matters. Your vocation is not always exactly the same thing as your job, right? Right? You don't always get paid for it. Um, for example, one of the most clear examples of, of, of vocation that you don't necessarily get paid for is those of you who maybe are stay-at-home moms, stay-at-home dads. I always loved it when people would ask, hey, does your wife work? And I would say, absolutely. 
I mean, she works harder than I do because she's caring for our two kids all the time. And, uh, you know, what it takes to be at home and to care for your kids and, and to sacrifice financially to make that happen, the courage, the strength, the energy, and then to not really see maybe even a return on your investment for 20 years. It takes a lot of vision. Another obvious example of unpaid vocations are those of, those of you who are students in the room. And many of you are. You're either in junior high or high school or college or grad school or you're in a trade school or you're learning how to cut hair or whatever it is that you're doing to learn. A bunch of you right, right now this morning, you're here and you're a student. And not only do you not get paid, some of you actually pay someone else in order to be that student, right? And you think, man, I'm just doing this so that one day I can live into my vocation. One day I can do the thing that God's called me to do. Do you realize that what you're doing today, being a student, being a learner, is your vocation right now? It is your calling. It is the thing that God wants you to care about and think about because what, how you treat your vocation today has everything to do with living into a vocation for tomorrow. Just ask Joseph in Potiphar's house or in prison or ask Nehemiah as the cupbearer to a foreign king, or ask Daniel as a long-term student and slave in Babylon. They each saw themselves as called ones, even though it wasn't maybe where they ideally wanted to be the rest of their life. So if you're a student in eighth grade, your vocation right now is eighth grade biology. Or if you're a high schooler, you need to see that that junior year of lit class is where God has called you to be. Or if you're in college, philosophy 103 or core, God is working in your life through that. And as a student, wherever you are right now, learning is your calling. You need to put your heart into it. Put your back into it. And start treating it not as some necessary evil or just some means to get you somewhere else, but as a calling that God wants to use you in right now and to bless you through. Because after all, you're not learning to get a degree. You're learning to create shalom in the world. See, the problem with the word calling is that we, we think that it's just spiritual people doing spiritual stuff. Because we put that kind of label on calling. So we think of people uh, in social work or ministry, but... You see, God has a calling for each and every one of us. A man was visiting a stone quarry and asked several men what they were doing. And the first replied irritably, can't you see what I'm doing? I'm cutting stone. The second guy answered without looking up, I'm earning a paycheck. But when the same question was asked the third man, he stopped, he dropped his pickaxe, and he stood up and he smiled and he said, I'm building a cathedral. See, it's a matter of how far you can see. The first man couldn't see past his pickaxe. The second, beyond his paycheck. But the third was able to see the ultimate end. He was cooperating with the architect. He was making a contribution to help construct a building for the worship of God. How far can you see? God wants, he wants us to see what we're doing as important, as called ones. 
He wants us to get out of the areas of rut where we're in, where we're, where we're feeling like what I do doesn't matter. God wants to use you for something bigger, bigger than you can see today, to create shalom, to redeem and transform people, to help people find their way back to God. And so I pray just during this series for the next couple weeks that we would, we would have such a renewed vision of what God has called us to do that we would make real impact in our community in every sector of society where we work knowing that God has placed us there, knowing that God has a calling on our life and that what we do today matters. Will you pray with me? God, we just want to come to you this morning and thank you, God, that you have prepared in advance good works for us to do. And Lord, as we think about what we're going to be doing this week in the area of our work, I pray, God, that you would help each one of us catch a fresh vision for how you want to use us. Help us catch a fresh vision to see how what we do ties in to bringing your kingdom to this earth. It ties in to bringing your shalom to people's lives. It ties in to helping people find their way back to you. Would you help each one of us see that, whether we're at home or whether we're a student or whether we're at work or even if we're in a place of unemployment right now, I pray. Lord, would you give grace? Would you give hope? And would you pour out fresh vision for each one of us? We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Oh, thank you, Mike. Um, great word. I want to encourage you. Uh, let's come back next week. We're going to take that idea that God has given us a calling, that God's given us a vocation, and that part of that vocation is finding work that fits us individually. We're going to kind of take that idea and run with it. So that's going to be great uh, for that. If you are one of the folks who has come this morning uh, and brought stuff for the MOPS uh, fund drive, uh, kind of uh, stuff from home, the greenhouse just across the parking lot over here is open. That's where you can drop that off. Thank you so much for investing in the, in the moms in this congregation by doing that. That is excellent. And finally, if you're new or if you're newer to the church and you're looking for that, uh, a way to get connected and maybe just start meeting folks, I would love to meet with you right over here on the far side of the, of the stage here for about five minutes for First Connect. If you would like someone to pray with you to, about what's going on or a situation in your life, our prayer team will be over here on this side uh, of the stage, and they'd be glad to meet with you for, there for prayer as well. God bless you. Have a great rest of your weekend.